Hello everybody and welcome to Late Flag, the aftermatch show of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Tonight we look back at last night's disappointing performance and results for Liverpool away at Toulouse in the UEFA Europa League. Right, and we'll also preview the game against Brentford that's coming up on Sunday. And tonight I'm joined by my two partners in crime, Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton. And I'm your host, Les Lawson. Right, so Pete, just after about what time would it be last night, past four last night, the team dropped. Only Joe Gomez and Alexis McAllister were on the team sheet from the, from the team that started against Luton at the weekend. So what did you make of the start in eleven when you heard it, Pete? I I thought once again it was it was certainly strong enough to to have beaten to lose. I mean, given the results of the first um well not the first leg but the home tie. Um, you know, you the, the centre back pairing was as we thought, Concert and Massive came in. Uh Costas left back. We knew the Kelleher to play. Um I'd, I it, it, on paper, it looked a really good team. You know, certainly good enough to to beat a team that are lying fourteenth in the domestic league, and they're not like you know they're not getting very good results. Um, and I, I was sort of a wee bit surprised that Diaz played. I know, I know, we got the good news about his dad being released, and and I don't know, maybe that was still on his mind and stuff. But um, all in all, I thought it was a decent eleven that was picked, and. Um, as I say, we'll go on to the actual game a bit later on. But yeah, it was a decent eleven. Yeah. So Tom, uh, did you agree with that that it was a decent eleven? Did you think anybody else who didn't start should have started from from the team that was named, or were you was it a similar team that you were expecting? Yeah, more or less a similar team that I was expecting. Less. I think if you looked across, the, it was there had plenty of experience and international players, didn't they? And we had like like a spattering of young talented young talented lads who who've done well. Like Jarell has been excellent this season, well deserved his chance. Also, you know, like Harvey who's come on and, and impressed lately. So he's deserved a start, like I suppose. So there was plenty of and you know, Joe Gomez come in for Trent for Trent and you thought, well, there's plenty, and Joe's been in fine form, hasn't he? Really, so like we've all been saying, Joe deserves, a, you know, a place in the team. So like again, and even the even the forward lines, the the forward line looked strong enough, you know, to score goals. So yeah, you couldn't have been disappointed with 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 the side that 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 he picked, that Jürgen picked. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, when I when I seen the team, I was excited to see. Ben Doak given another opportunity down the right hand side to see what he could do. It was nice to see Cody Gakpo get another start to try and build up his fitness, you know, after after his injury. And the rest of the team really sort of was as I expected. And I just thought it was a real opportunity for some of them to put a marker down for you know, certainly for the game at the weekend against Brentford and sort of give Jurgen Klopp. You know, something something to think about really for for the upcoming games after the international break if if some players sort of showed him basically what he was missing by not including them in the in the start in eleven. But as it turned out, it was exactly the opposite. So Pete, you hinted you know earlier that we're 
we'll now start talking about last night's game. <clears throat> and you know, I thought that Liverpool were, were totally in control of the game, but we weren't really working the keeper. We had the we had the one opportunity from a set piece when Joe Gomez hit the bar and then the keeper dropped one and Ben Doak hit the ball really well and the keeper got up and made a good save. But they, they were just sitting off us. They didn't look as though they were interested in in going over the halfway line, only trying to catch us on the break. So yeah. is that how you sort of seeing it as well, Pete? Yeah, they, I mean, Liverpool, like you say, I mean, Joe hit the bar early on, that would have been... Some goal for his, I think it would have been his first goal for the club, wasn't it? I don't know if he scored. Yeah, goal. and he was captain as well, wasn't he, Pete? So yeah, so that would have been good. And then um, I think, like you say, Ben Doak, it's a shot that the keeper smothered. And it was just total control. And it was almost um, not treating it like a practice game at all. But I thought I thought there was a few rough tackles going in from the Toulouse players. I think it was their right back, is it Dressler or someone was name? He he was he was making making his mark on a few uh, people, but I suppose Endo was lucky not to be booked early for a blatant pullback. But yeah, we were in total control, and you know, it just seemed no, you know, no worry whatsoever. And then we get to like third, just over what thirty five minutes, and then there's this calamitous mistake. It's just like Costas actually fell asleep. He looked like he looks like he's always been asleep when he he lines up because. He's got such a hangdog expression with you know the way he is, but I think he he did actually fall asleep because he he got the ball and for some reason, I think he must have been causing two minds how to play it whether to play it back or sideways, and the lad just nicked it off him and and then just to compound that, the shots whether the shot was covered by Quivine or whatever I don't know but it took a wicked deflection off, I think it was off um Jarrell wasn't it and it, it sort of looped into the nest. But it just, it was like you say, it was almost like Toulouse were quite happy to sit off Liverpool, not press them at all. Um, and, you know, almost as if to say, well, as long as we don't get beat at home, we'll be quite happy sort of thing. And that was just the start of the of the malaise, to be honest. We, we never really recovered at all from that. Yeah. Tom, as Pete says there, it was, it was a case of Liverpool being... Totally in control of the game. And mm. it's into that at day. It was like watching a pre-season friendly in which the players knew there was no real jeopardy. They were much better than the team they were playing against. And and then, as Pete said, you know, Costas made that terrible error. And, you know, it, basically, it's really worrying, isn't it, Tom, that, that Robbo was out for, for so long you know, we, we've sort of discussed on the podcast, you know, in the past about Costas and sort of said that, you know, we, people may have been treating him a bit unfairly with some of the comments that he that he wasn't good enough because it was difficult for him if he was just going to get picked for the game and then go back on the bench after after playing at one game and then not play another game for two weeks. Whereas if he could get a consistent run in the team where he can build up you know, his, his match day fitness, etc. Then he'd be all the better for it, and you know he, he should really be up to the challenge and be good enough to to cover for Robbo, you know, for for a short period of time. But 
but it's been exactly the opposite. I think he's been absolutely awful. Um, and as I say, I don't know what you think. I might be putting yeah. words in your mouth there, Tom. Sorry. No, no, I, I agree, Les. He, he was completely laxical, wasn't he? You know, like the way he went. He, he just sort of, he looked like he'd stumbled, as, as Peter said, he looked like he stumbled over it. And then he left the, the, the players to just go on. But it was his... It, that's that's been a feature, hasn't it? You know, Jürgen took him off on the first game when he when he gave him a game. We were all saying, you know, like this, you've got to give them a run of games. Well, he's had a run of games, and he, you know, the first game, he, he, I I thought, well, he played two full internationals during the international break, and you thought, well, he might have struggled with a little bit coming back. So give him the benefit of the doubt after the first game, but like, there's been no improvements at all. If anything. There's a drop off, and that's quite that's quite worrying then because now we've we've got to look at other other options, haven't we? Are we going to say we're going to have to throw one of the kids in, or are we going to you know, or are we going to move Joe Gomez across to left to, to left back, you know? But it, it it's quite a worrying a worrying factor, and then straight after straight after that. You know, they scored, they scored again, didn't they? Which were luckily it was disallowed. But like, you know, I, 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 you just feel like at the moments, I, I feel, I feel a bit sorry for Costas, but you've got to, we've got to look after ourselves because we've got some really big games coming up and some big decisions to be made, haven't we? Yeah, Pete. Not only was Costas a little bit of a worry last night. You know, and I'm, I'm really willing this guy to. You know, to prove that he's decent enough to be a squad player at Liverpool. But I thought Endo struggled last night um, in terms of, as you entered off there, he was lucky not to get booked for, you know, when, when we sloppily lost possession after about 15 minutes and he pulled the guy back. Then he did get booked for a second challenge not long after. And then he was lucky not to get mm. a second booking you know, late on in the first half, which is ultimately, I think, why Jürgen actually took him off at half-time. Because of the, you know, he was one more tackle away, really, from from getting the red card. So, yeah. so <clears throat> his performance last night was also a little bit worrying, especially with the, um, you know, with, with, with Maka being suspended on Saturday. Um, and I know we'll come on to discuss the team on Saturday later on. A Sunday, sorry, but you know if you could just sort of, you know, tell us what you think about uh, Endo's form last night. I thought, to be honest, from from one to eleven, if you go on the old numbers, I don't think anyone came out of it with any real credits. I think Harvey Elliott throughout the match looked, you know, like he he prompted, he was prompting, probing, and wanting to get forward. But yet it was a worry with Endo because you would think with McAllister um, missing, def- definitely missing on, on Sunday, and I think Curtis Jones might still be injured as well. Endo's the obvious choice to pick. The only other option that he could possibly do, but we'll speak about it later, is is putting Trent in that position and keeping Joe Gomez at right back. But there's so many permutations. But I just... Um, I was disappointed last night in McAllister as well, in fairness. I mean, I know <clears throat> I felt a bit sorry for McAllister the last few weeks because he has been playing the number six and it's not his his real position, but he, he looked a yard off the pace last night as well. 
Um, but he, you know, he wasn't the only one, as I say. There was a few of them who who just looked sluggish last night. You think they travelled halfway around the world to play football rather than just to the south of France, and they really did look sluggish. And they, you know, they they've got to let's open the next couple of days before the game against Brentford. Let's open the training at the axe they they pick up because, um. As I say, from one to eleven, I don't think apart from maybe Harvey, any anybody came out of it with much credit. To be honest, I thought Gakpo was pretty ineffective um, throughout the first half, um, and maybe we just got into that mindset because we were so much in control without really hurting them. We were in control, and I think once these the all start playing like that, it, it's it's. It's a bit like endemic. Everyone starts playing loose balls and short balls and and not you know not controlling it properly. And it just seemed to run throughout the team. But yet it was a worry. But it, you know with Endo, um, as I say, he could easily have walked, and he, he was lucky to be on at half time. And and Jürgen did the right thing and took him off. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of them where you're just scratching your head thinking what's gone on because from being in total control without creating many chances, you're suddenly on the back foot and you know, it was their final. I mean, I think they were saying in commentary prior to the match, regardless of what the result is, if Liverpool put six past them, they'll be cheering on for them all night because this is their biggest game for years. And so it proved. But um it was it was a weird, weird display last night. Tom, so a half-time, uh, off goes Endo, off goes Simakas, and off goes Ben Doak, and on comes uh, Mo Salah, Trent, and, and Spozliai. And I think that, that and, you know, and I'll always look back at this, that sort of calamitous mistake by Costas, right, really give, give them the momentum and give them the bit between the teeth. Because they, they they totally, I think, and you know, you and Pete might agree with this. I think they took Liverpool completely by surprise at the start of the second half, because mm. in the first half they hadn't really showed any intent on trying to attack Liverpool at all, and you know they were happy to to sit in the in the low box and sort of you know just wait their opportunity for a silly mistake for someone to be asleep like that happened with Costas, and then hopefully take the chance. And then the second half, I think, Jürgen made the, the three substitutions and thought, this is going to be very, very much the same. They're going to sit and try and hold on to what they've got. But they did the absolute opposite. They come out right us, um, and you know, the substitutes just couldn't get in the game, and he, he just basically overrun us. And you know they had a they had as you as you said before, Tom. It wasn't long after because it wasn't long after half time that they had the first of their goals disallowed for a yeah. for a foul on Big Joe, and then and then they they scored not long after that. So it was it was a real sloppy start at that second half, and I think their manager and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Tom, but I think their manager sort of. Played a, a trump card against Jürgen that he wasn't expecting, and against the team, and sort of said, "Right, we've got a goal lead at the minute. Let's go out of the second half, take them by surprise, and try and hit them when they're not expecting it." And Liverpool just, just sort of did 
didn't react and they couldn't they couldn't really cope. So did you see it that way as well, Tom? Yeah, but I think so, Les. But I, I think you know what they they did that in the in the first game as well, didn't they? You know, they come in, we 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 give them a run round like it was like a like a football lesson in the first game. But they come out at us in the second half, like you know, with loads of energy and run. I think that a team, you know, when they realise they've got nothing to lose at this stage, have they? If Liverpool come back and wallop them, then it, you know, it doesn't matter. As, as Peter said, it's the biggest game of the, of the year for them. But but when when they're looking round and they're seeing that there's so many Liverpool players below par, it it must give them a lift and that, getting the own getting the own goal. And bringing it back to two one, you thought, well, now this is going to push Liverpool on. But it did the opposite within within a couple of minutes. They were they were down the other end and they scored again. You know, and Liverpool just didn't seem at all up for it at all. As you said, with then with then though, and Costas were poor, Gapko was poor. You know, like even 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 in McAllister. I'm starting to feel a bit sorry for McAllister. He. he I know people have showed me the other day his stats showing that he was doing quite well against all the other number sixes at the moment. But he, he doesn't look comfortable there, Les, does he? And I, I, I think so you're wasting a player there, really. Yeah, Pete. So as Tom said there, you know, we get we get a lucky goal. It was really lucky the old goal. And then you think, right, now this'll knock them this'll knock the confidence a little bit, but it didn't. And again, you know, they scored the third one, and and like I actually thought it was really well. I thought Kelleher could have done better, um. But again, we just went again. I think they caught us off guard. They thought I think we thought right, we've got them now. We'll just take our time, and then it'll be be two two before we know it. But it wasn't. It was three one, and they sort of took up the gauntlet and. One thing I want to ask you, Pete, you know, is 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 Dom suffering from a little bit of being possibly being overplayed? Because the last two games, he's looked really flat compared to what we've we've sort of witnessed in there up to that point. And the second thing I'm going to ask you, and Tom can come in on this as well in a minute, are you worried about Mo Salah's form since the since in this period of? You know, of games following the last international break. Yeah, um, just going back to Toulouse as well. I mean, I think they did catch us unawares because they were they were pretty passive, weren't they, throughout the first half? And like you say, the, you you see the three subs coming on at half time, and we brought on. And you think, well, that will change the whole complexion of the game. But like you say, I think it causes by surprise the fact that they were still on the front foot. Um, yeah, you know, sort of disappointed with Sabozlai's performance in the second half. And, I mean, they go into work today and the Blues couldn't wait to say you went to France to lose. And I yeah. said, yeah, go on, get the jokes over, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, and, then, you know, going on to Mo, I mean, he, he, whether he's, I mean, whether he's, I think there's been some games this season he's just been double and treble marked and he's, it's so... Difficult for them to get away, but um, yeah, I think his form has dipped, and probably by his own admission, he'd say that. Um, and yet he's still he's still getting the goals. I think, I think he scored in every home match, hasn't he, in the Premier League this season? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, he, he gets the goals against Everton, and in fairness, I, I thought I thought he had a pretty indifferent game, and you know, it, it's it's one of it's one of them where we, we we've we've played some good football this season. We've got some good results, but um, certain players that it's almost like they're having a good game and then two sorts of indifferent games. And and with Sobersly, you would just hope that on Sunday he'd, he'd he'd probably be bound to make a start in the midfield, that he'll he'll pick up his form of the you know before the Luton match because he was he was dynamite before that game. Um, do you know do you know what PT? I, I read a little article about and you know these articles when he's away he gets lost in transition. He was talking about him about he you know he's befriended um, Trent and he's and he said well. He spends most of the time, and he—I think he splits up with his, with, with his partner, hasn't he? Believe so, as yeah. Well. And yeah. like, and he was saying he was lonely. So you don't know if he's the, the lads, you know, like he's got other things, you know, like other things on yeah. his on his mind at the moment. And you, if if you're not a hundred percent at the races in your mind, then you're not in your performance. So it it might just be like a little bit of that, you you know, yeah. it could think- be. I mean, I think we've spoken before about this when we were talking about um, Louis, Louis Diaz's dad and mum being kidnapped. And we just go the game regularly. Yeah. And we, we see them come out. And we think, I, I don't think the machines by any means. I'm sure they've all got personal, personal lives outside the football. But when we go the match, we expect all the players to put 100% in and, and play brilliant games every, every game. And, like I've said before, we all have personal things, you know, going on in our lives where, you know, we've had like relatives who aren't well, or you know, you you might have had a, a bit of a knock with your missus and you're not speaking, and it plays on your mind. And whether that's the case with with Dom, I don't know. Maybe the the split that he's had, I don't know who his who his partner was, whether she was Hungarian, whether I don't know where she came over with him or what, but um. Yeah, it must play on your mind. You can't literally just cross the white line and suddenly switch on as a yeah. as a footballer. And, and it happens to the best of the footballers. You know, the best in the world sometimes lose form. Mm. And um, as I say, we we just got to we just got to get it back again because there has been times this season we've looked really really good. You know, I think with Mo Les, what you asked me before about Mo, he, he's funny this season, isn't he? We had all the speculation about his about him um, whether he'd be here. When the window closed, you know, and, and now it started off again, you know, like that. There's another sort of load of stuff about about his career, and and they're supposed to be being interested and talking to his agents and all this. But you again, it's the same sort of thing with Mo. And like, well, I think you said it the other week, and I think there's a lot of truth in it. Do you know he, he's still a fantastic footballer? But by his own amazing standards, and he, it, they are incredible standards, he has dropped a little bit in the last couple of games. But I don't think it's helped when there's quite a few others around him. So, like, I think the drop-off from the team, isn't it? So, again, it's the same sort of thing. If, if we've only got two or three or four players who are showing anything, that that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so... Fair points you make there about your know, both Mo and Dom, you know what I mean. But you know, hopefully they get back on there to the best form. 
you know, come Sunday and then especially for the first game after the international break when we play we play away at City. So mm. you know, we go we go three three one down and then you know Jota comes on and within a couple of minutes of coming on he scores a very similar goal than the one he scores at a, at Anfield against them to bring it back to three two. And at that point, I think, for the first time in the half, we're just starting to get back in control of the game. And they have, I think they've run the race, basically. And they're just now trying to hang on to what they've got. And then we have that incredible instant near the end. Now, what I want to say is that, you know, I don't think we deserved anything out of the game, but that doesn't make the decision that, that was given any better so come on PJ I can see you having a right smile there so mm. you're obviously ready to unwind so go on go off your long run as they would say oh, I wasn't necessarily laughing at that to be honest mate I just thought you look a bit dog tired tonight that's all <laughs> um, yeah I, just, I mean I was, watching, I was watching it with our Jack and um, I mean because of the position we're in in, the league, in that particular league where we're top with nine points I mean, I, I don't want to lose any football match, but like you said, we, we deserved nothing really out of the game. And then to suddenly get back to 3-2 and get in, in with a chance of a point, we actually started started taking interest in the game more, you know. Um, and then, like you say, we you know we sort of controlled and I think I think they were just on dead on the feet to lose. They put so much effort in. Um, and then when, when the chance came, when when the you know the equaliser as it should have stood. I mean, we didn't deserve anything, and it's all right saying that. But at the end of the day, I think VAR and the referee between them contrived to make such a, a pig's ear of things. I, I, I don't know what they were doing. I was nearly going to say a dog's dinner then, but I won't. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Saying that is because one of my dogs, Callie, is sitting on me there, <laughs> moving around, and it's like there's. Uh, an image just keeps coming on the screen and then off the screen. So just to let everybody <laughs> in on what the actual make it Pete and Tom laugh anyway. Yeah, that's that's why I'm giggling. To be honest, I'm not giggling about the football. Yeah. It's been going yeah, for then... about twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, we we'll all have a, an opinion on the on the goal that wasn't. Um, I, I'm. Really unsure. I don't know what this handball rule is. I thought, I think even Steve McManaman said in commentary there were so many things that happened after the the handball. If if he'd have given it straight away, we wouldn't have argued. It did sort of, although it kicked off his his chest. I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a blatant purpose handball. I think it just this his arm, his his upper arm. But once the play goes on, I, I can't see how they could bring it back that far. The only there was one at Tottenham to cut two or three years ago that they disallowed for Bobby Firmino making a tackle, I think, yeah. on the halfway line. And they brought that back. And I thought all those things had changed to the point that unless yeah. you actually punch it in the net, it, it you're allowed to go on. So I mean I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it to be honest. Yeah. What I what I thought I checked this out with with sort of Mike Handley last night, that it has to be the the incident immediately prior to the goal. Mm-hmm. So, so if I, if sort of McAllister would have handled the ball and then it would have gone to Kwanzaa and then he'd have put that in, then yeah, 
that's fine. You go back that far. But or if it it hit the the goal scorer's hand in any way, whether accidental or not, then the goal would be disallowed. Oof. But that goal should have stood last night. But as yeah. I said, you know, we didn't deserve anything out of the game. And it might have sort of brushed over a performance that, that wasn't up to standard. And Tom Jürgen was quite rightly annoyed. As he said, you know, that the goal should have stood, but it wouldn't have made me any any less angry than I am now with the performance. Yeah, it just it but it's 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 where we're at again on referees and that as it's like it it you, we no longer any nobody knows anymore what the rule what the rules are anymore because it they change, don't they? It, it, it's it's what they say it's subjective and every referee makes a subjective decision about whatever uh, you know, like he decides of that game. But what what a referee will give one week, the next the next week, it, it it it's washed away, and that's I think that's the thing about me. Nobody nobody will convince me that VAR is better for the game. I think the game overall is worse off with VAR, and I and like I watch VAR, I watch it in cricket, I watch it in rugby, and it. You know what? It works well. So why are we having so much trouble with it? You know, mm. it, it 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 just I, seems I, to be every single game, doesn't it? I agree I with you, by the way, Les. I think it should have been a goal. But, you know, like, first of all, he gave a goal, didn't he? He looked like he was mm. giving it. Yeah. And, and, then, and then, so what happened to when, with, with Tottenham the other week, once the referees made this decision, no, it's because it's because the game restarted against Tottenham. So yeah. if they'd have kicked off, then the goal would have stood. But because the game hadn't restarted, basically, he can say he misheard the instruction from VAR. What I will say is, you, you mentioned their cricket and rugby with VAR, and I think the difference between those two sports and football is quite simple. In in cricket and rugby, it's all about getting the right decision. And yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you know, the umpire's made a howler or mm-hmm. the referee's made a howler in rugby. It's all about getting the correct decision. In football, the problem is, is trying to protect the referees. So they, they make it the they don't want to upset the colleagues. And I think last night that was more down. It was the. It wasn't the on-field referee. It was the on-field referee who looked at the footage and then decided to disallow the goal. But it was down to the to the guy who was on VAR who decided to take the playback that far to look at the handball, and that's where the fault lied. The fault lied with the guy on VAR last night. But you know, it was nowhere near as blatant as the because it was still wasn't it. It was still subjective. It wasn't yeah. factual. So it was down to. But I totally agree with you, Tom, in that a lot of the time VAR, VAR is there to look for reasons why to not allow a goal mm. rather than just making sure that the, that the decision is right or wrong. Yeah. And I think that's where they I think that's where they need to improve if they want VAR to be accepted by by fans and players and managers alike. 
Well, how long do we put up with it, Les? How long do we now? Well, how long I, is, you know, like, this is two seasons where, you know, like two seasons where it's been, and, and it's coming into the third season, isn't it, this? So it's it, it's not getting, it's it's no better. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's worse now than it was before. Wicked. I mean, at the end of the day, it's only as good as the people who are using it, isn't it? It's mm. like you can, have, you can have you can have the best car in the world, but if you haven't passed your driving test, mm. you know, you, you you it's pointless you having putting you into to drive that car, isn't it? It's, so at the end of the madness. day, you need to you need to come around, as I say, to saying, is this the right decision? Yes or no, rather than saying, well, has the referee made a real error here? It, he might have made a mistake, but is it a real bad mistake? Is it one that I can send him to the screen for and make him look a little bit silly? And then they sort of send him to the screen. And once definitely he goes to the screen, they're never gonna, they're very, very rarely gonna gonna change the mind. In fact, I can only think of possibly three, four instances that I've seen yeah. where referees have changed the mind, three in the Premier League and one you know, in Europe. But you know it is what it is. Last night, and we um, we we sort of move on. So I'll just ask you quickly, last night before we before we sort of move on and and, and discuss the Brentford game because there's something I want to obviously want to raise with you both. I'll start with you, Pete. I know it was a very very difficult choice for all the wrong reasons last night. But who would you give your uh, player of the match to? I thought I think I said earlier on. I think the only one I can think of, the you know we started brightly and you know Ben Doak looked good and you know we had the header from Joe and we all looked comfortable. But I think over the full ninety, uh, I think I'd have to give it to Harvey Elias. I think he was the only one I could see anyway that was prompting and proven. And I mean he had a, an awful shot in the second half that nearly went out the ground admittedly. But I thought I was out of the out of the ones that were on the pitch, I, I probably would have given it to Harvey Elliott. Tom? I'll probably go with I'll go with Pisa Les. I, I totally agree. I thought I, I thought most of the players were off off the game really, weren't they, on, on the night? And you know, you could you could make a case for for Jota for his for his goal. But mm-hmm. that but overall it, it has been what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. Harvey seems to, whether you know, when he's on the pitch, he does try to inject a little bit of something. His finishing's not great at the moment, to, to be fair. But um, overall, yes, we'll give it to Harvey Elliott. Yeah, full house. I thought Harvey Elliott was the only player over the 90 minutes who you know, gave anywhere near a consistent performance. He tried you know, to get things going. As you said, Pete, he had an awful shot. But that apart, you know, I thought he was the only one who really, you know, kept going throughout the ninety minutes. So I thought, you know, on a bad night for for everybody, I thought he was the only one who you could possibly, you know, give the the player of the match award to. Now we'll we'll just quickly preview the game against Brentford on Sunday, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you, Tom, on this one if you don't mind. Go on, and. And you know, last week, last week, Pete sort of suggested the Trent players are six, right? Um, against against Luton, and Joe Gomez plays at right back. And to be honest with you, Pete, and you know, I'm going to bring Tommy on in this because you've already 
sort of made your point about this last week. But I was thinking that that could be a possibility for this weekend. Right, but I don't know whether you think this, Tom, but I think Costas Simakas is unselectable on Sunday. I don't think you can I don't think you can take a chance to pick him. And I actually think that I know he's just signed an extension to his contract, but it's a big it's a big five or six weeks for Costas. Mm. Because if he doesn't prove that he can be an able deputy for Robbo when he's out long term and you're going to play people like Joe Gomez at left back, then he doesn't seem to have a future at Liverpool. So can you see, do you think Costas is unselectable for Sunday? Probably, uh, probably less. But the only thing that worries me about that, I agree about Trent, by the way. I've said this years ago, I always think that Trent will end up in midfield. And Pep Linders said that's where he started. He used to play as a six. So he could play comfortably as a six. You can push McAllister further forward. And then, you know, because it looks like Gravenberts might be out as well, doesn't it? So, yeah, so we've got no, well, yeah, we've got no McAllister, have we? We, we uh, Gravenberts is doubtful. We've got no Curtis, no Pachetic, and no, no, um, no, no Thiago. Mm. So we're we're really short, aren't we, in midfield? Yeah. But uh, so playing Trent there makes makes real sense, but. I agree with you, but there's one thing that what concerns me. They've got a brilliant, brilliant winger who's as fast as anything. And you put a young lad in, like Luke Chambers or young Scanlon against against the likes of him, and and you know, like you could destroy you could destroy that lad, couldn't you? You know, because yeah. he's a handful for seasoned professionals. Like he gives Robbo a hard time when when we played Brentford last season. And um, I'm not even going to attempt his name, but I'll leave it to Peter. <laughs> but, you know, we spoke about Brian and Bueno, I think. Bueno, yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think there was one, there was an occasion, we beat them 1-0, I think, at Anfield, didn't we? Yeah. But he, he got, he, he like like Tom said, he literally just shrugged Robbo aside and he ran on. And I think he was just offside when he received the ball. He was actually just... In our in, in our half, and he was flagged off. So side. he'd be a handful, wouldn't he, for the likes of like Luke Chambers or or Scanlon? Yeah. So, Pete, you but, think that, you think the Costas is unselectable on Sunday? Then you say I'm going to go the other way and think we've got to select him because if if we is his confidence that badly that we don't think he's up to the job against Brentford, we've got this now and through. I mean, when's Robbo going to be fit? I think it's going to be a long time before he's fit. I know we're saying the new year, but he's got to get match fit then as well. Yeah. So I would, I would probably tend, I would probably pick him and say, you don't play like that again, lad. You, you get, you know, you play like you should be able to play. So I would, I would probably stick with him. And for that reason, I'm probably, <laughs> probably going to go against what I said against Luton, but probably see Trent at right back now because I think Endo. Is the only number number six that we can play, um, you know, who's eligible for the Brentford game? To be honest, so I I can see Trent filling in at right back. I don't know. It, it's probably a toss up between Joe and and um, Costas, but I I would tend to say, look, you you've fallen off the bike. Get back on the bike and do what you can do, and and show us that you you're the player that we brought in. So I I I wouldn't be surprised to see him start on, on uh, Sunday to be honest but like you say he's going to be up 
up against it, and he's going to need a bit of help from his midfield in that score. You know, he's going to be exposed at times. Um, I just think Liverpool will play the same way, and if Trent is at right back, he'll still do his his inverted role. Um, now, whether I think we brought Joe Gomez and at Luton to uh, as like a third centre back for his height and that, and whether whether uh, Jurgen thinks we need that against Brentford because they are masters of the of the set piece. They like to bully the goalkeeper. We've seen that before at their place, haven't we? So I don't know, but. Sometimes when players have a bad game, I think the best thing for them is not to get dropped, is, is to get back on the bike and start again, you know. Peter, I'd agree with you if it was just one bad game. But against Leicester, similar thing happened with Costas. He, he falls up, Leicester break down and score. Mm. Against Everton, he was dragged off. Last night, he was dragged off at half-time. Last week, he wasn't selected to start against Luton. Um so all in all, he's not, you know, as you said, you know, mm. it might affect his confidence. He you know, he isn't selected, but he got dragged off at half time in a, in a Europa League game. So his confidence isn't going to be at its its best, is it? I don't think. No. My opinion is, I don't think, I don't think you can it can start him. I think he's unselectable, and I think if he does start, I think if he does make a mistake, I think that could be unfinished. Because mm-hmm. would you play then, Les? I'd probably, as I said, I'd probably go for Joe Gomez at left back mm-hmm. and play Trent at right back and then play Hendo, you know, as the six. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think you've got any other any other option than, uh, than to do that. Hendo doesn't look, Hendo doesn't look. No. No, but he, he's not, to me, he's not as much off the pace as Costas. You know what I mean? I think, and I think with Liverpool being at home and hopefully having the majority of possession, um, you know, I just think that Hendo is is, is more likely to be switched on rather than Costas because he just doesn't seem to be at the races at the minute. Mm. And and as I said before, you know, this has got to be this has got to be a big you know six weeks for him, and if not a big six weeks. Certainly, a big six months between now and the end of the season. Because if he can't get games when Robbo's injured, and the manager can't trust him to play, yo, know, then there doesn't seem to be any future there for him, and mm-hmm. he needs to be moved on. Even though he signed, you know, a three-year extension to his contract, you know, if you're not going to select him when you, somebody who's supposed to be your backup left back. When your your first choice left back is out with a long term injury, then there's no use keeping keeping him around the club, is there? You 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 sell him, get what you can for him, and then and then move on. So one thing again, Tom, I know I wanted to ask you as well. You know, thinking about it, Curtis Jones sort of had the, had his three match ban, and then you know, and luckily for for Liverpool, I think that two of the Two of the three games were possibly at home, um, or maybe maybe all all three of the games were at home that he missed. Um, but certainly in the away games, and probably the the home games to be fair as well. You know, I think he's been missed. Or 
Yeah, badly, Les. I said that to you the other week. His ball retention. I wrote that. I wrote that on Twitter. His ball retention, and you know, like not just he, he wins the ball, he keeps the hold of the ball, he moves the ball about. He, you know, like some people say, oh, he moves it slowly, but you know what? He, he very rarely gives it away. You know, like mm. and he is a he is a threat. He's been badly missed, and I think, I, I think that's where we've been a little bit unlucky, isn't it? You know, with. With with cases, we've lost him for three games with with two suspension, and then and we don't know what the injury is. A slight thigh injury, isn't it? A slight tight hamstring, he reckons, yeah. but only a very very small one, and he will yeah. definitely be back after the international break. But Pete, you know, as Tom said there, yo know, Curtis, I think we've missed him sort of lead in the press as well. Yo, know, and yeah. just, now it was the Brighton game was the third one he missed. He missed Everton, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then I, think, you know, I was going to say, I think I, I think a lot of fans you go just see when he's on the ball, and you know you you've got to see the work that's done off the ball, and like you say, the like Tom was saying, then he very rarely loses possession, and I know fans. There's two sit behind Jack. Oh, Jack, I I always end up sitting with Jack second half because it's an empty space, and there's these two fellas, and they just give Jones dogs abuse for whatever reason. Now, uh, the tempo last night against Toulouse was awful. It was very, very slow, pedantic. And then, as I say, then it starts to spread. And then you're passing, at least with cares, as he There may be times he gets the ball and he goes backwards. And it was always levelled to Henderson the same. But like Tom says, you keep possession. And then, you know, the vast majority of teams that come to Anfield will play with a low block. And you've got to be patient. I think Sunday, I think it's a very, you know, it, it's a stupid thing to say maybe, but I think it's a must-win game for Liverpool going into the... Oh, the definitely, definitely, Pete. Couldn't because go the, couldn't the, lose that or drop points against them. Yeah. And then, and then go to City. The first game back, City, which yeah. I'm not it's saying crazy. is, you know, it's going to be, the, that, that's going to be the toughest game really after an inter, international break. It's a 12-13 and it's away from home. Um. I think we've just got to show patience against Brentford because they are a very good side and they're a the type of side, like you say, with that Brian and Benno and and I don't just like a lot of names that you don't know, but they, they play some great football and they've suddenly Brentford from coming up when they came up a few years ago. They're just like they're just like a you know they're going to be in the Premier League, I would think, for years to come. It's going to take a real fall from grace. If they were to get relegated, and I think they're there for a long time, Brentford, and they play some nice stuff. And you look at the results, um, you know, that they've had recently, and they're on a good run of form. I mean, I think they came from behind last week to beat West Ham. They, they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, which, all right, they're not the best Chelsea side we've seen, but they still went there and, and won 2 0. And they beat Burnley. And I think really they're only, they were unlucky to lose at Old Trafford, to be honest. I think the goals were both in injury time, weren't they? Yeah. When United beat them. And I think the only aberration they've had this season, and, and they did play poorly, or you could say the opposition were much better, was the Everton game. Yeah. Everton fully deserved to beat them down there, to be honest. So I think we're in for a tough ride, especially with the, the way the midfield, you, you know, we're not too sure what sorts of three are going to be either eligible or fit enough to play. So it's going to be... Um, it's going to be a game where I think we're going to have to be quite patient on Sunday and... and you know, there's, there's times we're going to have to stop them because when when they 
when they counter attack, they're a very good side. I think the saving grace for us, though, piece is, is the quality of the forwards that we've got Nunes, Diaz, Jota, yeah. Gap, Gap, Gapco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you signed your best, so we still got it wrong. No, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Pips, then, Les. Um, Gapco. And, um, and, and, and Salah, you know, so like, yeah. the quality we've got up front. It is always going to give us a chance. I think we'll always score goals against nearly any side. Yeah. I think. Do you know what I keep? I keep saying, would you, would you to be to, to leather a team before long? You know, like Nunes yeah. is getting four and five chances a game. You know, no matter how mm-hmm. he's playing, how the team's playing, it's the same. You know, it's the same with Jota when he's there, and again. You know, like Cody's Cody Gapco, he's got to start to come good because he, he's always got goals in him, hasn't he, all the way through the game. So, like, I think we, I think we can hear Brentford. I think the trouble is, is whether we can, we can keep a, a clean keep sheet. Them out, yeah. 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 Do you think? Do you think he might go four two three one? Um, yo, know, you know what I mean, and play. Play four of the four of the forward, so he could play, say Salah, um, Gakpo, and Diaz with with Nunes ahead of them, or he could even play Harvey Elliott, you know, as the ten and play play maybe supposedly Ian Hendo in a two, you know what I mean? Or you know, I, I think a lot could depend on Gravenberch's fitness. I mean, Klopp did say, you know, the other day that. You know, he got a bit of a knock in, in the knee against Luton. Um, and he'd already started running in, in his recovery. So hopefully mm. that might be that might be a good sign that you know maybe you know he's gonna be fit enough to, to start. I mean, even even if you could get an hour out of Gravenberch yeah. and then bring Harvey Elliott on maybe for the last mm. you know, half an hour. Or you know, if Gravenberch was fit. There's even a, there's even the possibility you could play um your mate Sebastian as the sixth piece if he didn't want to use Endo. But then yeah. that's not looking good for Endo, is it then? You know, no, I think I think Endo will probably get the nod, as I say. Um it was just I th- I think that's a lose game. I mean he played in the home leg, didn't he? Um Endo and he, he actually scored a goal as well. I just think I just think for whatever reason last night we, we we were very sluggish and it it was the whole team you know you can point your finger at as I say you know you looked at McAllister he looked off the pace Endo looked off the pace but you look around you and there wasn't anything great I mean we've given Harvey Elliott man of the match from last night but it wasn't outstanding he was just he was just the best of a bad bunch in fairness you know but I think he'll try I don't think he'll put too many square pegs and round holes I don't think so yeah I think Endo will probably get the nod but I'm hoping that if if need be, we can you know we'll have enough people on the bench, you know, good good sort of backups and that. But um, it's all down to these injuries and how they are. I mean, you know, that do you think that there's no chance for Curtis? No, to come straight Not back. According to Jurgen the other day, he said that no. definitely back after the international break. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tom, can I just ask you? Supposedly he goes. Sort of with the normal four three three formation, we know there's not a lot of choice in midfield at the minute because 
we're unsure about, you know, Graven Birch being fit or not. Right. So, because, you know, all the forwards are fit and available for selection, which three would you choose to start? Oh, that's a good question. I'd go. I think I'd go with Louis Louis Diaz because he'll have had he that he, you know, like he he starts again. I think he's just he just loses quality, doesn't he? He's brilliant to have, and I think he links up well with 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 Nunes as well. So I'd go with Nunes as well, and probably Mo. You've got to play Mo, even even I can't, like I can't even, see Mo not playing really. It's just no, basically Mo plus two others. Yeah, do you agree just, with? Did you agree with Tom Pete with it'll be Mo, um, Diaz and Nunes? I think I think possibly I agree with the Mo selection. I think Mo's the type of player. Even if he's going through a bad patch, he can just turn it like that. He can he can score. You know, I've seen him play games this season where he's been more or less, you know, not even on the pitch. You you don't notice him, and next thing he pops up. The only thing I'd probably change is possibly give Jossa the start over Diaz and have, have Diaz on the bench I'd certainly start with Mo and, um, and Darwin Nunes so. Right, okay I would start with, I agree with Tom, I would start with Diaz, Nunes and Mo um, and leave um, Gakpo and Jossa on the bench you know, to, to come on you know, in the second half and supplement the attack or to, you know, to give you know, a couple of them arrest or to add one if we need a goal or something. But yeah, that's what that's what I would do anyway. So um I'll, I'll go quickly ask you for your for your prediction. So we'll start with you, Tom. I'm gonna to go for three one less. I think Liverpool will score goals. I fancy Darwin Nunes to get a couple this weekend, you know. Nice one, Pete. I'll go I know Tom's saying we're going to batter someone soon, so I'll just say that we'll get a 2-1 win Sunday and we'll batter City when we come back from the international. But I think it could be I think it could be a bit of a tight game, to be honest. And as I say, I think the players and the crowd have got to be a bit patient because Brentford are a decent side. So I'll just go for 2-1 for the Reds. Yeah, I'm going to go for 3-1, I think. I think that Liverpool can get an early goal and break them down. I think that you know, we, we could get a couple quite quickly and then they might get one back and then we'll 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 put it to bed. But I do I do agree with what you both said before. I think this is our biggest game of the season because we don't want to be going in, you know, against them um, against Manchester City, you know, further behind than the three points that were already behind them. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that hopefully you know, the, the ideal scenario is that we win on Sunday and City lose at Chelsea or draw at Chelsea, so that gap is cut. You know what I mean? But we don't want it to go the other way and widen. Mm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game at Anfield on, on Sunday and one that the Reds certainly need to get back to winning ways with before the the international break and then the, 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 the sort of big game against Manchester City at 12.30 immediately after. So just a just a plug before we before we finish to anybody that hasn't listened to the special podcast we did on the Great Emily News to give it a give it a download and a listen and once again to thank you know, Emily Junior for joining us on that podcast. I think the lads will agree. I know Mike is near tonight because he's got he's got other business to attend to, but I think Tom and Peter both agree 
it was a pleasure to do that podcast, wasn't it, lads? And and mm. one that we wish we wouldn't have had to do, but the fact that we did have to do it, I think it was one that we we all enjoyed doing, and it was a pleasure, wasn't it? And a, an honour to have his son on the podcast. Yeah, it was, it was just good. It, it was. It was just so good. Sorry, Tom. It was just so, so good. good. You know, we, we started talking to Anlin Jr. and then all the all the memories came back of his dad and, and the games and you know the that smiling face every time he scored and, and it was great to hear from his lad. Um, you know, just what it was like. You know, I know I think most of his time probably as he was growing up, I think he'd actually left Liverpool by then he was at Wolverhampton and places like that. But it was just so good to just start throwing games about that we'd all gone to. And remembered and and some of the you know some of the goals that Emlyn scored, some of the defensive displays. So I'm sure, yeah, it was it's a great listen, and I know Tom's got a few things to say in it as well. Yeah, I think Mo, I, I listened to it last night, you know, again, and it was it was such a pleasure to listen to it again, and you know, and just just going back through the, through your memories, you know, you tend to forget these things, and certain things come up, don't they, and and it brings them all back home, you know. He was he was an ex, he was an outstanding footballer who, who played the game the right way and you know if you if you had you had four or five Emlyn users along the year over the year, and you know like the club's in a fantastic position so anyone who hasn't listened to it give it a listen you won't be disappointed I've had some great feedback from it as well as yeah I mean I can only endorse what the lad said there in, in that. We've had some excellent feedback on the on the podcast that we did. You know, Emlyn's family have sort of thanked us and said it. You know, the the they had good feedback as well from from people who'd listened to it. You know, the day now, so that's all good, and we thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And we hope that you know everybody who has listened to it and the feedback we've got says they have. You know, really enjoyed it and brought back some fantastic memories. Anyway. On that note, we'll end this edition of the Late Flag. And as I always say on this, at this time, but one thing I want to start with this time is fantastic news for the Diaz family that that Louis' father has now been released and is back, back with his family safe and well. You know, and we're all absolutely delighted that that that, that stressful period of time is now over. One more thing I'd like to say as well before I move on. A big get well wish to Katie Bell, uh, Tommy's niece, who's currently not very well in the Royal Hospital. We hope you're you're back up on your feet soon, Katie. And next time I walk into the match, it won't be on Sunday, but the next time I walk into the match and walk along the concourse of the cop, I see you there with a pint in your hand. And I know Tommy (laughs) says it's it's never your pint, but he can't fool me. Anyway, so you get well you get well soon, Katie, from me, from Pete, and obviously your Uncle Tommy as well. And we hope to see you soon. So on that note, justice for the ninety seven, don't buy the sun, and you'll never walk alone. Until next time, see you soon.